and we had some reading on page four. So if you do the reading, you can go Monday through Saturday and read uh, each day and, and answer questions. Or you can do like I do and, and do it all uh, together. But either way, it's good to do the background reading on on the lesson beforehand. So I would encourage you to do that. Page four is, is that example of the reading that you would have. And then also, uh, there's a scripture memory verse. And top of page five, there's scripture memory. And um, you can either memorize that one or any other verse you want to share with us. And we take memory verses. So uh, does anyone have a verse that you want to share with us right now? Bible memory verse. Janie. Amen. Very good. Very good. Anyone else? Bible memory. Going once. Oh, yes, ma'am. Amen. Amen. All right. That's another one that we sing also. Anyone else have one? All right. Well, I've got something for these two ladies then and uh, don't let your husband sneak any of this exactly I see the look on Delmer's face all right well let's get started we're going to talk about Abel we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11 and uh, we're going to start with verse 1 we'll read the first four verses, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. By the way, through faith we understand that. Um, otherwise you end up with faith in a big bang or something like that. Right? Because it takes faith to believe in some big bang theory as much as it takes faith to believe that the world were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. I really enjoy Abel. There's not a whole lot about him. He didn't live very long, and uh, there's not a lot you can read about him, but what you do read is very encouraging and uh, you actually read about him all the way to the end of the word of God he's in Genesis and believe it or not even though he's not mentioned I think he's in Revelation so uh, we see here uh, in our book page five the Christian life is a faith life the object of our faith is the Lord Jesus Christ Janie just quoted those verses in Hebrews chapter 12 looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith he is to be the object of our faith he is to be what we focus on and nothing else. And so let's make sure that when we uh, have faith that it's in Christ. I know a lot of people say, well, you got to have faith. But have faith in what? Um, if, you're going to, uh, if you're going to look for real estate, you might want to have faith. That was an inside joke. But anyway, if it's talking about 
having faith in what? Having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Having faith in Christ himself. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And so it's not just faith by alone, but it's faith in Christ. And he is the He's the beginner and the ender of our faith, and so he's the object. The Lord illustrates the faith life in the lives of his glorious, this glorious group of believers found in Hebrews 11. The first person on this list is the person we just read, Abel. And so the Lord Jesus confirms the Old Testament record concerning Abel. And we consider what Christ said in Luke 11 and also in Matthew 23. <coughs> We're not going to turn there because we'll go there later. But in Luke 11, verse 50 and 51, and Matthew 23, verse 35... Jesus said that Abel was a righteous man. That means he was saved. He had the righteousness of God. And Hebrews 11 that we just read, uh, he obtained witness that he was righteous. And so we know that Abel had faith, even though he was the first, uh, well, the second born human being on planet earth. He was the second son of Adam and Eve of the first family in the world. Jude 11, it says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. That's his older brother. What is the way of Cain? It's the way of those who are self-willed and self-determined and those who to trust in works and themselves rather than in the Lord through the blood of the Lamb. It's the way of Cain, the way of those who deny God. Uh, we shall all go the way of either one or the other. We are either going to go the way of Abel or we're going to go the way of Cain. Everybody goes one of those two ways, Abel or Cain. Which which one of Adam and Eve's sons do you go? It's either faith in the lamb or it's faith in works. That's Abel and that's Cain. Faith in the lamb or faith in works. So we, we look at page six and seven and we see three points today. The family of Abel. The family of Abel. We know, I've already mentioned it, who that is. <coughs> And we have to go to Genesis to see it. Genesis chapter 3 and chapter 4. Genesis chapter number 3, uh, we get some of the details of how Adam and Eve uh, sinned and, and fell in the Garden of Eden and lost what they had. And Genesis chapter 4 picks up how that uh, Eve bore two children. She bore more later on, but she had these two first. And um, remember, in Genesis chapter 3, that God promised something he said in verse 15 i will put enmity between thee and the woman talking to the snake the serpent and between thy seed and her seed it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel and unto the woman he said i will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception and sorrow thou shalt bring forth children and so eve understood that she was going to have children and she also understood that the this certain child the seed would be the one that would bruise the serpent's head. Now, I'm thinking she might have thought Cain, the firstborn son, was it. I mean, she can't imagine that it was going to be thousands of years later before this was going to take place. And I'm sure she was very desperate to try to restore things back the way they used to be in the Garden of Eden. And so looking forward to her firstborn son is just the logical uh, idea that she would have had, that she would have been looking forward to him. And, and uh, <clears throat> she called him Cain. Someone said that Cain means hopeful. And uh, I don't know, I wasn't there, but I know that Eve had never been around children before. And I know that Eve didn't even have a mother to teach her things about children and child rearing. But I can only imagine that maybe Eve might have spoiled him a little bit. Maybe both of them, Adam and Eve together. 
I mean, after all, it's the firstborn and it's the only child and it's got to be the cutest thing in the universe, a little baby boy. And uh, she would have been somewhat unprepared. Um, And if she thought he was special and that he was the one that was going to bruise the serpent's head, uh, maybe she had all kinds of hopes for him. But here's what I also know that Adam and Eve would have had to have teach both of their sons. And by the way, um, I read, and I, I don't have the proof of this, but I read that Abel means uh, vanity. And I can only imagine that maybe after having Cain and later on when it was time for another son, she wasn't near as excited about that one and she called him vanity. I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe Cain was a real letdown and a disappointment. Uh, I know I used to be a real spoiled brat when I was a kid and uh, it was only by the grace of God and a, and a lot of spankings that that changed. But uh, Cain, uh, I think, was probably somewhat, just as we read in what we little we know, probably was somewhat spoiled and raised selfish as the firstborn of the first people of the world. But here's what we can also understand. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world. Even though Eve was the first one who actually did disobey, God holds the man responsible. It's still that way today. Uh, The man, the patriarch, is still the responsible party. Men are the head of the home. And, And so by one man, all men are sinners. And so there's no doubt in my mind that Adam and Eve probably told Cain and Abel what it used to be like. I, 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 do you think it, do you think they kept that from him? I don't think so, and they probably told them what it was like at one time, and they probably told him how it got destroyed, how they lost it, sin, and so they probably explain. I'm sure that both Adam and Eve would have explained to their sons. I would imagine Adam did, that he would have told them that we messed up, we sinned, we ruined what we had. And then we tried to cover for it. Do you remember the story? They tried to cover for their sin. In Romans, or excuse me, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7, it says, And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. That took some work to do that. But that's what they did. They made aprons out of fig leaves. And they knew that sin requires some kind of a covering. But they also had learned through God that their covering wasn't going to do it. Their covering wasn't going to cover it. Um, I mean, we know that fig leaves aren't going to last very long. But God wasn't interested in fig leaves. There's no blood in a fig leaf. So in verse 21 of Genesis chapter 3, Unto Adam also and to his wife did God, the Lord God, make coats of skins and clothed them and so God provided the proper covering for sin and the proper covering for sin involved the death of an animal I'm going to guess it was a lamb only because that's what Abel offered was a lamb it fits with everything else you read in the Bible so I'm going to guess it was a lamb I don't think it really matters but the point is this is that Adam and Eve considered all the animals to be pets there weren't any scary animals at that time they were all just pets. I mean, they, there was no reason for man and animals to be afraid of one another yet. They didn't start eating animals until after Noah's flood. And so can you imagine if you had all these pets and you named them all 
and then you watched as God took one or two or however many it took and skinned them and took their skin right off of them. That requires bloodshed and death. And do you, do you imagine, can you imagine with me just how horrified and how sad and how guilty they must have felt? Knowing that now they're wearing the life of someone else just to cover for themselves. So we see a picture here. And no doubt when they had sons, they had to make more coats for them. More animals had to die. It, it was quite a picture. It was quite a, a reminder to realize you're wearing an innocent creature's skin because you are a sinner. So the faith of Abel start, started with what he had heard his parents say to him concerning God and God's word. Um, and, and we have to understand, just like I mentioned evolution a little bit ago, kids don't just evolve into good people. It requires discipline and especially the grace of God, the word of God, uh, and a proper understanding of self. And Abel being the second child, I think maybe there was a little bit of a different attitude towards uh, children and child rearing at that time because Abel seemed to have gotten the message more than Cain. So we see the family of Abel, and now we're going to look at the flock of Abel. And that's chapter 4, verse 1. And Adam knew his, Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man-child from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. <clears throat> and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of the flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. So now we're looking at the flock of Abel. I don't know why one of them chose to be a gardener, and one of them chose, or a farmer, and one of them chose to be uh, a sheep herder. I don't know. I can't say for sure, but maybe Cain could see the future and realize, well, good grief, if I raise sheep, I'm going to have to give one of them up. He's going to have to die. He's going he's gonna to be an offering, and I... Why, why do I want to, I, I, it just, it's repulsive to me that we have to kill another being for skin. The flock of Abel, though, <clears throat> Cain, he chose his own way. He brought of the fruit of the ground, the ground that God had cursed. And, of course, it's from the dust of the ground that he made man. And it's to the dust that we return. And he brought fruit from the ground that God had cursed. That's what Cain tried to bring. And you can bring all the fancy fruits you want, but it will not satisfy the debt. And I am sure if we could be there, we would say that was the most beautiful vegetation we had ever seen. I'm sure it was absolutely impressive what Cain brought. It was probably quite impressive, but it wasn't impressive to God. The other son, Abel, did what he had been taught, apparently did what he knew what was right. It's not like God flipped a coin and said, I think I'll pick the sheep instead of the vegetation. It's not what was going on here. We're dealing with two boys from the same home who both were taught God's word. How did this happen? How did they have different outcomes? Well, faith, as it says in Romans chapter 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so when someone hears God's word, 
he has to act upon it. And if you reject it, and apparently Cain did, if you read the rest of this story, and let's go ahead and read it. Verse 5, And unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, colon. He just talked with him. But in talking, he was already angry. And after talking with him, he was getting more angry. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And so now you have the first murder in the Bible. How horrible. In verse 9, the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Now, does that sound like a respectful person? He's talking to God. Cain doesn't just have a problem with Abel. I mean, really, Cain's problem isn't really Abel. Cain's got a problem with God. He's mad at God. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. I think that's very interesting. The Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. And even though blood is spilt, God still notices it, and apparently he still hears it. Now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. So we see this very sad story. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 4, Let God be true, but every man a liar. In other words, if there's, a, if there's a conflict in an argument between man and God, God's right. Man is lying. He's wrong. It was the faith of Abel that led him to bring that kind of an offering, the one that God required. By what Abel did with his flock, he declared boldly that God is right. And Cain said, no, I'm right. I'll do what I want to do. And this is the condition of mankind today. I'll do what I want to do. I don't have to do it God's way. This is where we all struggle. We're either going to insist that we are right or that God is right. We're either going to submit to God's way or we're going to claim our own way. I I think Cain probably is in hell today. Um, I I think everyone who goes this way, obviously, goes the way of Cain. That is the way to destruction. This is not the right way. So as we read these verses, Cain continued to seek out his wicked way and become harder and harder. And And let me just say, don't spoil your children. Don't teach them that they are some some somebody who deserves something, that they deserve something. They they need to be taught that they are just sinners that God is merciful and gracious to and they can be saved. They need to understand the importance of sin. I remember years ago when Wilma and I were first starting uh our church in Wyoming, uh there was a mother who was upset with us because their boy came home from church and he talked about sin he told his mom i learned about sin i'm a sinner she was upset with that listen children need to know they're sinners and you know what the ones who don't get taught that and understand that very well become bigger ones uh we need to recognize that that that's a big deal we need to recognize that sin is an awful thing and it will send us to hell ultimately it's something that jesus died and paid for and the very first boys on planet earth were taught that some innocent creature has to die. A lamb has to die. And you look forward into time, into the Bible, and you realize that the lamb was Jesus Christ in John chapter 1. 
John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the Bible says in Revelation that he was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So even before Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel ever saw the first animal killed, Jesus was already planned to be the Lamb. And the blood of the Lamb, the Bible says, is what cleanses us from all sin. Some people teach the Old Testament people were saved differently than we are today. I don't think so. I don't believe that at all. I think that's actually very wrong. Because I think the Old Testament people just looked ahead to the same lamb that you and I look back at. It's the same lamb dying on the cross at a certain period of time, but it's the same lamb. And and it was pictured in the Old Testament through these animals. (coughs) I also think this is why when Jesus was in the temple and he saw the money changers and they were selling animals, he was very upset and he overturned the tables of the money changers and made a whip. He, he didn't lose his cool. He made a whip. That took a little time. Went in there and drove out the money changers and what they were doing. Why? Well, I think it's because God's intention for the Jewish people was for them to raise their own animal. Not travel to Jerusalem, plop down some silver, and buy a lamb they got no connection to, and walk across the temple courtyard and then have him slaughtered, and they only own the lamb for about a minute. I, I think I think that totally wiped out the whole idea of a little boy and girl growing very fond of a precious lamb at home, and then one day on the Day of Atonement, marching down to Jerusalem, and, Daddy, why are we bringing the lamb with us? You'll see. And getting to the temple, Daddy, what are they doing with our lamb? Well, it's either him or us. A lamb has to be slain in order for us to be atoned for. Now, which do you think is more effective? Which do you think paints a bigger picture in the minds of the children? And I think that's why Jesus was upset with the money changers. They took what was supposed to be a very good lesson and picture of the blood of the lamb, the innocent blood dying for us, and turning it into a business. And so... We go back here to this story and we see this Cain. And I I feel sorry for him because he's so hard. He's so selfish and self-righteous and so angry. He's angry at God. I mean, how can he be angry at Abel? What did Abel do to him? He's angry at God and he takes it out on Abel. And I don't believe for one minute Cain intended to kill Abel. But he went out to talk to him and he was angry. You know what the Bible says? If you hate your brother in your heart, you're a murderer. And, and that's what happened here. Cain was so angry that he, he, he became a murderer in his heart and it came out in his actions. That's why we got to check our heart. And he ended up killing his brother. And I'm sure he didn't mean to. And I'm sure he didn't even realize what he had done at first. But he did. And so we have the family of Abel, the flock of Abel, and this very tragic life of Cain, now known as the way of Cain. I don't want any of my children to go the way of Cain or anyone. So then the future of Abel. <coughs> well, the future, I mean, he's, he's, he's done now. I mean, he's dead. I mean, what's, what's, what do you mean the future of Abel? Oh, no, Abel's got a future. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4. Hebrews chapter 11. There's quite a future for Abel. And uh, Abel actually gets a lot of honorable mention in the Bible. And uh, he's still he's still around. Hebrews 11 verse 4 says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, 
by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. That means he was saved. He believed. He believed in the Lamb. God testifying of his gifts. And by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. Yet speaketh, meaning he still speaks. He still testifies. Abel is still preaching the gospel. Abel's story is preaching the gospel. It says that the blood is crying out. It's been sinned against. And we have so many stories, and maybe there's people in here, you know of people that have been wrongly accused, and maybe they were executed. Maybe they were murdered. I listened to someone talking about their brother who was killed in a drive-by shooting in Chicago. And it wasn't even their brother that the people were after. He just happened to be in the crowd and took the bullet instead of the guy they were after. And there's so much senseless killing and things like that and bloodshed. And it's just horrendous. And we, we, we agonize every time we hear it. And then we see people that are righteous and people that are good people and they are killed for no good reason. We, we read about Naboth in the Old Testament. Boy, Naboth was a good guy. And, and he just happened to own a vineyard next to Ahab's house. And Ahab wanted it. And Ahab and Jezebel had him killed and murdered him for his land. And I see these people that died for, 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 for no good reason. They died as, as victims of murderers. And, they, and yet I, I'm encouraged because this is not the end. First of all, now let's go to uh, Luke chapter 11 and Matthew 23. And let's see what, what Jesus said about it. Luke chapter 11 and then Matthew 23. Luke 11 and verse 50 and 51 that the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation. From the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias which perished between the altar and the temple, verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. Does it sound like God forgot? No. From the very first bloodshed on planet earth till apparently a certain time period of a guy named Zacharias that generation was going to answer. And then Matthew 23 in verse 35, he mentions it in this way. Matthew 23 and verse 35. That upon you, he's talking to uh, the people there, the Jewish people, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth. From the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barachias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. And I don't know about you, but in verse 35, I've got a cross-reference in my Bible that goes to Revelation 18. I don't know if anybody, does anybody else have that cross-reference? I do, a couple of you do. Revelation 18 and verse 20 and 24. This is interesting because they're ta- this is talking about the, the whore of, of Babylon, the mystery harlot, the mystery Babylon. This is the very end of everything. In Revelation 18, in verse 20, it says, Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. And then down in verse 24, it says, And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all that were slain upon the earth. Abel's uh, recompense is going to happen. The judgment for what was done to Abel, he said, Well, I don't understand. Cain, how can Cain... Well, because I believe that Cain represents the way of Cain, which is work salvation versus the lamb. 
Now, in this context, in this context, all right, Jesus is talking to the Jewish people. He's talking to the people right there. He says, upon this generation. Now, what was the problem? Did they reject the lamb and choose their own good works? Yeah. I mean, we know that some of them got saved and they were born again. They listened to John the Baptist, the lamb. But many of them rejected the lamb and chose their own good works. This is why it's wrong, as the book of Hebrews says. It's not by the blood of bulls and goats. It's by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And if you reject that, if you reject Jesus Christ and go back to animal sacrifices of any kind or any other works salvation, you're rejecting Christ. Anyone who tries to claim good works as a way of salvation, that is a rejection of what Jesus did already on the cross, which is the way of Cain, to reject the lamb, to ignore the lamb. Also in Revelation chapter 6. Revelation 6 verse 9 it says, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. That would include Abel. The Bible says that Abel's Abel righteous testimony speaks. And it says that under the altar, the souls slain. Abel would have been the first one. And verse 10 says, And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. This, is, this would include Abel, one of the martyrs, the first martyr. He was killed because he offered and trusted in the Lamb. That's why he was killed. And he isn't the last one. There's been many more that trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ and were killed for their faith. And so we see some interesting things here. You say, well, well, how does it end well for Abel? I mean, okay, I get it that God's going to take vengeance on the wicked world and those who follow the way of Cain. And so he's going to punish ultimately and finally the generation that follows the way of Cain and trusts in works instead of the lamb. But how does that how is that good for Abel? Well, all I know is is that Revelation 20 says there's a thousand years coming. And in that thousand and there's never been a thousand years of of clean righteous creation. There, no one has ever lived a thousand years. Adam died before he was a thousand years old. And and I I had someone write me just last week and tell me that they think that that there is no uh, there is no millennium to come but when you read Revelation 20 it, all, it says very clearly that there is a thousand year reign with Christ and, and I read things like when Jesus said the meek shall inherit the earth and I think to myself that's not happening I mean Abel he was meek you know I'm guessing that Cain had an AK rock and Abel didn't. And Cain killed Abel with his AK rock, his AK-47 rock. Abel should have had an AK-48 rock or something bigger. He was meeker. Abel was meeker than Cain. And Cain looks like Cain inherited the earth. Oh, yeah, if you think in terms of this earth only. But if you recognize that this world is not all there is. And I do believe that Abel will be in the new world. I believe he's there. If anybody's there, he's there. And I believe that he will enjoy the creation he never really got to enjoy. 
and he'll be a part of that. And you and I can be too if we're saved. So I believe there's a future thousand years. I don't believe it's past. I believe it's still to come. Otherwise, I don't know how we can believe Jesus when he says the meek shall inherit the earth because I've been looking around and the meek don't seem to be inheriting the earth. But they will one day. And there are people who have been terribly wrong. But we must have faith to know that, what, that God will one day make all things right. This is why I, I, I don't get, I, I grind my teeth sometimes, but I don't get too overwhelmed with the, with the injustice that goes on. And I don't, I don't get too overwhelmed even when people are martyred for their faith. Just a few years ago, there was a, a family that went to, uh, <coughs> that went to, I don't know if I can say, it's not Madagascar, but it's somewhere over there, South African continent area. And uh, I can't think of the name of the place, but they went as a family, a large family, a good family, decent, good people. I'm connected. I know some of the people personally, some of their relatives. And the father, just been there a few days, weeks, and the father was killed, shot in the head um, because he was mistaken as being some kind of a government official. Just devastated the family, just devastated them. But you know what? That's not the end of him. The meek shall inherit the earth. And maybe there's a reason we don't understand. And you hear about other people. Well, we had the story of Nate Sate, Jim Elliott, and the five missionaries that were killed by the Aka Indians. And why did God allow? All they were trying to do was reach the Indian people, the Akas in South America. Why did God allow them to be killed? I don't know, but I do know this, that it's not a waste. As a matter of fact, some of those murderous Aka Indians got saved through the testimony of the family members. And so Abel's blood still speaks. And he yet speaketh. He is still preaching that it's still right. It might look lousy. Being hit over the head. And and, and I don't know what Cain used. I'm just guessing it was a rock or a stick or something. But it might look like Cain was the winner that day. But he wasn't. And Cain's been long gone. Cain's been in hell for thousands of years. But Abel still has a bright future. And so, praise the Lord, that we can trust God even when it doesn't necessarily work out well in this life. It's still right, and it's still right to obey God. There's a God in heaven who's going to answer and avenge his children, and I have to trust the Lord and thank God for that. And that's why uh, we just give our bodies as a living sacrifice and let God be God. And Abel's a great testimony. He is a great picture of, of right versus wrong, of faith versus works. He's a great picture of what really humanity is all about even today. And uh, we, can, we can learn from that and, and then realize that he, he still mentioned even in the end and that it's not lost, it's not waste, it's not a waste. Uh, his blood has not been wasted. It cries to God from the ground. Well, let's close in prayer. We'll stop today. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to open up the chapter 11 and to recognize the importance of being right and having faith. And this first person didn't get to live a long time on planet Earth and was treated very wrongly. And yet you you start out the chapter by talking about him and his faith and help us to recognize that there is a future there is a world to come this is not all there is and the meek shall inherit the earth and there is 
a reward for faith. And help us, Lord, to have faith in you. And for those who are not trusting, but rather are trusting in righteousness, self-righteousness, and, and works of their own, help them to see how futile that is and how not, not acceptable that is. Help them not to go the way of Cain. Help us to recognize the difference because all humankind follows in one of these two boys' path. They either trust the lamb or they don't. Help us to realize that and, and understand the simplicity of it as we talk with people every day of our lives. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.